It's crazy to think this is the last episode of season two of 52 Weeks of Hustle. Thank you for all the guests sharing their knowledge and expertise. Thank you to you, the listeners, for listening in each and every week, and hopefully it's helped push you to be elite. Certainly appreciate all the support in the book, Hustle Your Way to Success in Sports Sales. In addition, 52 Weeks of Hustle is presented by General Sports Worldwide and The Clubhouse. The Clubhouse is a career development platform. Be sure to sign up for a free membership. You'll gain access to mentorship, a job board, webinars, blogs, mental health, and extensive training platform. Enjoy this week's episode. We will be back for season three. Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hustle. I'm Travis Apple, and I'll be your host of this podcast. I've been fortunate to spend my entire career in the sports sales industry, and I wanted the opportunity to give back, to give back to those individuals that want to get in this business, or for those that are in this business that want to continue to excel at an elite level. For those of you who know me, hustle has always been important, hence the name. Each week, I'm going to have the opportunity to sit down with industry professionals to talk about their career growth what it takes to be successful, and ultimately a few key takeaways for you to apply to your everyday. Without further ado, our guest this week. Crazy to think this is the last episode of season two. Time certainly flies when you're having fun. Speaking of having fun, I'm very excited for our next guest, a great friend of mine who wasn't necessarily preparing for a career in this business. However, he found an opportunity and has since made the most of it. I'm excited to have Michael Leiner, Vice President of Premium Sales and Private Events with Illich Sports and Entertainment. Michael, welcome to the show. Thanks, Travis. Happy to be here. Michael, great to have you. Very excited for our combo. Let's kick it off. You grow up in Reno, Nevada. You go on to attend UCLA, receive a degree in economics. What did you think you wanted to do? So I think I think like like most of us in this industry, like I, I wanted to I wanted to to get into into sports um, or on the business side. Um, but thought like my path into to getting into sports was eventually going to be going to be law. Uh, but knowing that the undergrad UCLA is I wanted to at least kind of arm myself with what I thought was like a business degree. Um, and really, the only one that UCLA had to offer at that time was economics with kind of a, an emphasis on, on finance there as well. So, um, yeah, that was kind of kind of the, the reason for for you know, going to UCLA and kind of focusing on that degree there um, with the goal of, of hopefully getting into sports one day. You know, you talked about the business side and you thought it was going to be more in the law end. So you end up having that plan go to, to go to law school. Why'd that intrigue you? So I was, I was fortunate enough, like when I was actually going to UCLA to, to take some of their, their MBA classes there. Um, and one of the professors uh, was, was Peter Goober. Um, who um, you know most of us probably know as you know, owner of the Dodgers and, and the Warriors, and he had this kind of sports entertainment class. And a lot of the people that he would would bring in, um, you know, a lot of the heavy hitters in the industry, if you will, like an, an Adam Silver or you know, a couple of the couple of the heads of um, you know WME or these sports agencies, um, and then uh, you know Jeannie Buss and you know the likes of like like those types of, of people within the industry. And just kind of hearing their background and their story and how they, again, kind of progressed into sports and, and ultimately kind of got to, to where they are today. Um, a lot of them had that, that law background. Um, so that's where I'm like, all right, well, if I have kind of the, the business side, you know, as my undergrad and have kind of the, the law side as well, is I feel like that would kind of round out my resume and really kind of put me in a, in a position to succeed within that industry. 
but I always thought it would be going, you know, kind of more that um, general counsel route within sports, just not really, you know, knowing any better at the time. You know, so Michael, you end up receiving an opportunity there in LA to be a coordinator with LAFC as they were getting ready to launch their brand and organization. And, you know, I've talked a ton on this podcast about the value of people. And and we certainly have a lot of similarities in our network. And one of those was the first ever guest on 52 Weeks of Hustle, Corey Breton. And at the time he was at LAFC. And so what do you feel like you learned from him and others that helped make that decision to maybe not go the law route and, and stay in the business side of sports. Yeah. So I think, you know, Corey, one of the biggest, you know, mentors I, you know, I had, especially w- within that role with at LAFC within that organization, but, you know, still is one of my kind of you know, biggest mentors today. And as you mentioned, kind of all connected by, you know, you know, one, one degree, if you will, there. Um, I was fortunate enough to kind of be able to sit down with him almost on a, a daily slash weekly basis and just just kind of get to know him in terms of how he was looking to build out that entire you know sales vertical, if you will, and you know more importantly, kind of the why behind it and, and his philosophy and and just kind of that, that that culture and process and people that he was looking to to instill, which as we know is kind of that that formula for for results, right? So um, being able to kind of sit down with him is was able to to appreciate just his level of sincerity and authenticity of like the, the type of leader and person he he is or was and, and, and still currently is. Um, so I was able to kind of, I guess, comprehend that he truly does care about his people. Um, and I think that's something we probably all heard, you know, throughout the yeah. industry or going through, you know, either recruiting or, um, you know, as we're looking for, you know, that, that next role is, Everybody always, you know, says they they care about the people and kind of that 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 next step. Where Corey, I truly felt like that that actually was the case, um, and the people that he you know was able to bring in, um, you know, were also you know people that he you know truly cared about and helped you know coach and and allowed them to kind of learn, grow, and develop there. But then also throughout. Um, you know, my, my time there, you know, with Corey LAFC is also, he was able to introduce me to a lot of additional leaders within, you know, within the space. And Travis, we met, you know, yep. thinking back on this, you know, six, seven, seven, or six, seven, eight years ago, whatever, whatever that may yeah. be. And, um, you know, so even within his network was able to actually see that that was the case. People that either worked for him or with them that were able to believe in him. And ultimately he was able to kind of help grow and, you know, into their next role and be leaders with, within this space here. So I was able to, yeah, pick up a lot of those things early on with Corey, you know, kind of having him as that initial resource there. You know, I, I don't typically make rules here on this podcast. It's, it, you know, kind of goes as it is, but I, I don't know if we can mention Corey's name anymore, you know, just between, you know, the probably the 12, 15 times we've talked about that. One of our recent guests, Eric Platt, we brought up his name a lot. Another guy that we both know, Spencer Ambrosius, brought his name up a lot. So, and obviously, Corey does a great job, but he uh, his head's big enough already. We need to keep him in check. <laughs> I agree um, with that. You know, so, so, Michael, your first experience in sports was as a coordinator before moving into premium sales and then the corporate partnerships there with LAFC for almost four years. And you had immediate success. What do you feel like you did early on in your career to help separate yourself? Yeah, I think I think for me and ultimately when I you know had to go through kind of that self-realization moment of, you know, was in was in law school at the time when I made the transition into I'm going all in on you know the revenue side or the sales side. Um, knew that, you know, that was a big, 
you know, kind of career change, if you will, you know, within trying to aspire to be a general counsel to then move over and actually, you know, look to make sales my career. Um, so I knew that I would have to go all in one way or the another, you know, couldn't continue to, to juggle both in a sense. Yep. Um, so when I knew that that was the case and talking, um, I won't say Corey's name, but talking with, <laughs> with, with him and, and, you know, Spencer Ambrosius, who you mentioned and, you know, Cam Florence, another one who I know was on, was on, yep. you know, the podcast here as well, um, was, was able to, to kind of understand again, what it was going to be or what I, what I needed to do or, or what was necessary to succeed in a role like this at a high level, you know, not, you know, not coming up from inside sales, at, you know, and, and progressing that way, taking a more unconventional route. It was, okay, what do I have to do to be successful in this role? And I knew that I had to do hundred percent buy in in order to do that. So a lot of that was, you know, process oriented. Yeah. And it's, you know, you gotta, you gotta come in, you gotta put in the work, you gotta believe in what we're doing. It's not going to be easy. You can't be afraid to fail. Can't be afraid of rejection. And if you truly put in the work and do things the right way and out compete that work, everybody around you, um, you know, you're going to put yourself yeah, in that position to succeed at, at a high level. And, and I, I had to, convince myself to do that and ultimately I think that's that's kind of what helped there yeah and you found a way and you know you you talked about process there is you you start in in LAFC you know in 2015 is the franchise had recently been awarded but the first match wasn't until 2018 and so how was that experience not only from a, a selling a team that didn't have matches but also just kind of a bit of an idea. There's going to be a brand new stadium, you know, and focus through that preview center and that thorough selling cadence for you. Yeah, I think that was our only resource, if you will, in a sense, right? Like we, I look at kind of where we're at today or even, you know, chargers previously with legends and whatnot is, you know, you have that ability to do kind of those in-game events or pre-game events or, you know, have an, have an off season leading into, you know, the, the, the following season there, where there are our only resource for that, you know, those two, three years was our narrative and our, and what our commitment to this city was going to be and commitment to the fan base and, and building everything out the right way. And really just kind of communicating our, our story into a very saturated marketplace like LA is with you know, 10 or 12, however many teams are there now in order to truly be our differentiator. So like that was probably step one. And then it was making sure that when we, you know, when we fought tooth and nail to finally get a meeting is that we were approaching that the right way, you know, putting in all the work on the front end, going into that conversation, you know, prepared, overly prepared, you know, ready to go. And then making sure that our, you know, our accountability measures and and coming out of those meetings was really buttoned up. And then by the time we got into that preview center, is getting them kind of again, kind of re-engaged in a, in a sense, getting them you know, more, as excited as you can be and knowing that the game wasn't going to happen for two or three years down the road. And that was our one shot. Like we had them there. That was our one shot. If we did everything the right way leading up to that point, yep. we were going to, we were going to convert and succeed at, at a high level. And that's why it was super important and that that you know, we, we didn't skip or circumvent any piece of that process because we, we, couldn't afford to miss once we got in there. You know, two great pieces of advice there on, you know, on the one end, we, we talked and you talked a lot about process and the importance of don't skip the steps, you know, make sure you're going through it. The process was built out, 
No different than a script. It's built out for you to internalize and make it your own, but it's a successful blueprint. But the other part you talked about there is just the narrative. You know, I think that's why storytelling is so important to what we do and being able to understand the value proposition that's most beneficial for whoever that customer is on the other side. And, you know, part of that storytelling, Michael, you had talked about immersing yourself in the community and in the marketplace. And, you know, I'm sure you're involved in some, some fun meetings with the build and launch of the brand and the, and the team. Were there any that, uh, you know, really stood out to you? Yeah, there was a, a couple meetings early on. Um, and, I, you know, as we were looking to identify colors or logo or even, you know, brand, um, all within probably those, you know, first nine to 12 months, if you will, um, that was some, so, yeah, some, some really, really cool meetings or unique meetings that, um, you know, as a, as a part of, and, and don't know, you know, just based on, uh, you know, having to start from scratch with a brand new team and a brand new marketplace, like if I'd be able to do that again, but I think a couple early on meetings was, okay, here's a few different like color schemes, you know, what's going to resonate most with, city like LA and that truly ties into the community and, and there's a reason behind it yep. to even the LA, you know, the, the logo itself and all the components that went into, you know, the, the wing and, and the yard deco and like style of that and how it kind of compared to a very iconic symbol, like, you know, the Dodgers in terms of just the, the size and, and look and feel. So I'd say, yeah, early on, there was some really cool meetings or meetings, you know, just regarding the brand itself and, and how we were looking to, um, you know, communicate with a potential fan base in LA. You know, and, and you were certainly able to see everything come to fruition. You, you were there for that first match, that inaugural match, not only of the team, but the brand new building. How surreal was that experience for you? Um, unbelievable, because um, I think you know, looking back, you know, that first game and, and knowing that it took, you know, four or five years to build um, and then walking in there for the very first time and, you know, seeing seeing the fans, you know, going crazy, some to even the point of, you know, tears, right? You know, yeah. soccer fans are extremely you know, passionate um, in, in a sense. So like that was, that was initially, you know, pretty special to see. But um, I remember being you know, in, uh, in an area with one of the clients that, that we had out and he was there with his family and they used to live in, in Belgium. And it just so happened that, um, you know, in the 92nd minute is the player that they had on the back of their jerseys was from Belgium and they used to watch him there. He kind of kicks a penalty kick to win and the place goes nuts. So you couldn't you, in, in a place like LA and Hollywood, like you couldn't have scripted that any better. Um, so yeah, it's kind of the, the, the pinnacle to kind of watching that all kind of come to fruition there. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Again, we're here on 52 Weeks of Hustle. The guest today, Michael Leiner, Vice President of Premium Sales and Private Events for Illich Sports. And Michael, your next stop was in L.A. with another new project this time. And this time with the L.A. Chargers as they were transitioning to SoFi Stadium from San Diego. How did that experience for you compare to the LAFC experience? Yeah, I'd say similar but but different. And what I mean similar-wise is, you know, it was kind of a, a, a new team to the marketplace. Um, obviously, we had a new stadium that was, you know, in the process of, of being built, and that was going to be, you know, a, a couple years out. Um, also, we were the challenger in the marketplace. So even with LAFC is there's still, you know, LA Galaxy, who is one of the, um, you know, the best teams in MLS and, and championships and, and Beckham. So you were the second team in that marketplace. Similar with the Chargers is, you know, the Rams had announced, you know, prior and you know, they were the ones kind of you know, capturing or captivating the fan base there. So us as the second team in the marketplace, you know, we kind of had to, to build one from scratch there as well. Um, but I would say different in the sense that we were able to leverage some in-game selling. So even though we're, you know, playing our, even though we're new stadium was being built is we're still playing at the LA galaxy stadium and we're able to bring people out, you know, and start to talk to them about how they could utilize, you know, premium experiences there. And then eventually into the new stadium. So we were able to kind of layer in and leverage some of that, that in-game selling, um, you know, and, and leveraging one property into the other there. Nice. You know, after climbing the ladder for yourself, you received the opportunity to really get into leadership with the, with the Chargers there as the director of suite sales. Why did you want to get into leadership? Yeah, I think, I think for me, um, you know, being able to see other team members' success and, and for me, like through, through LAFC, like early on, it was all about, okay, I know I, you know, I'm not, I don't have the experience like everybody else has. Like, again, I got to go out there and, and work harder than everybody else. But then as we started to build up the team further and bring in new people is, you know, I enjoy being able to help kind of coach up some of the, the younger team members that were coming in or, or brand new team members there, you know, going on meetings and appointments and then ultimately found, you know, uh, you know, more excitement when, you know, they were able to find success and, and put some big wins on the board. So at, at kind of at that moment, I, I, I knew that that's the direction I wanted to go, <clears throat> but then was able to talk through again with a lot of the mentors there with, within that project, um, you know, why they got into leadership and what excited them about that and how they were building out teams and, and strategizing. So at that moment, I knew that that was my next step as long as it was the right opportunity. You know, as you were getting into leadership, as you think back to your time then, what are what's a key learning early on in leadership that you wish you would have known, you know, and you know now, but you wish you had known back then? Yeah, I think I think early on is you don't realize that when you're a seller, like how much you're getting pulled in a bunch of different or that that your leader, you know, or, or yep. whoever your superiors is getting pulled into a bunch of different directions into a, a bunch of different meetings 
more often than not, you know, they're in a conference room or door right. shut or, you know, they're meeting with other departments. And so jumping right in is you're getting pulled in a lot of different directions, but ultimately you still have to make sure you make time for your, your team. That's, that's, the main, that's the main focus right in the main goal. So I, I think now looking back is, is being able to, you know, prioritize appropriately. Like what is with all these different meetings and everything that you got going on, like what is, what is truly important in that regard, but making sure that you also make enough time for, for the team and, and make that and your people continue making that the focus. Yeah, I think in today's episode here, you know, the last week you know, of season two of 52 Weeks of Hustle, people has been a common theme. And, you know, so after almost a year with the Chargers, you get a call to head to Michigan as part of a leadership crew with, you know, multiple great leaders, three of them former guests and Peter Kent, Spencer Ambrosius and Joe Shavi. In the role you're in now, why was that the right move for you? Yeah, so like I, I really didn't have any in, in- tension in a sense, Travis, of, of we, you know, tied to the NFL project in LA, 72 degrees, you know, <laughs> 365 days out of the year. Um, I'd never been to Michigan, um, never been to Detroit, but because it was a Spencer Ambrose, just somebody who you know, I've looked up to, I've worked with, you know, both with the, the Chargers project with Legends and then at LAFC and Dave, Dave Baldwin at the time, who's connected with, you know, Corey as well. And then Granger, who I've always, you know, known of and, you know, had conversations with, with you there as well with him and, and you know, your guys' relationship is I had to take the call and at least at least hear it out yeah. um, and started to kind of understand what their vision was to kind of build out this entire vertical that would support all the entities, if you will, or um, everything under the the Illich portfolio. Um, so once I came out here, saw what was happening, one from a city and a community in a community perspective, um, but then two just w- within the organization and being able to build something you know from scratch that supports everything, um, build a team from kind of s- scratch there as well, and then be tied to two iconic teams within a really passionate market that's you know loyal and committed to teams that weren't playing well at the time. I'm like, this is, uh, this kind of became a, a no brainer at that point when I was going to be surrounded with some really good people, the opportunity, opportunity. I feel like wasn't going to be any, any bigger than that. And knowing that, you know, looking back in, in, a, f- in a few years, be able to say like, yeah, we, we were able to accomplish that in the most challenging selling time period. You mentioned, you know, two iconic properties with, with obviously the Detroit Red Wings and the Detroit Tigers. But as you think about kind of all of Illich sports and, and entertainment, walk the listeners through, like, what is all parts of that, you know, kind of premium sales and private events and, and the entities you're focused on? Yeah, so we'll start with kind of the, the premium sales and service there. So there used to be, you know, kind of a, a sales and service team for kind of each, each team or each vertical, if you will. Yep. So kind of the, the goal or, or the vision was let's just, again, kind of build out one that would, would support everything. So our sales team uh, is full menu in the sense that they can sell anything and everything Tigers related and anything and everything Red Wings related. But we'll have a specific focus on the suites and the loge boxes and the club seats and our gondola boxes. So everything that is let's say contractual or lease-based that we would look to sell on a multi-year term. 
Um, so they kind of nimble in that regard. And that's how we approach every single conversation in the marketplace with a potential client. Of we'll, we'll, you know, based on what we've heard, we'll figure out a solution, you know, for you that we, yep. we can justify. We know that's going to make sense. Um, then we have a dedicated premium service team that's specific to the Red Wing. So anything that does involve that, we will then hand off and they'd be responsible for managing that relationship. And then we also have one that's dedicated for the Tigers. Um, again, similar situation, you know, once we sell something premium related there, hand that off, they'll manage that relationship. Yep. So that's kind of our premium sales and, and service world, but it is Red Wings, Tigers. And then we also have the ability to sell what we call our 313 Presents, which is our, our joint, vent, our Illich joint venture with um, Gores that kind of represents all the concerts business that, that, that come through the different spaces there. Um, then our private events department is basically uh, a department that'll put on all the non-game or like concert related events. Yep. So one of the large ones that happened just you know, a couple of years ago is the, you know, the CNN presidential debate that happened here in, in, in Detroit. So it can be of that caliber when it's on a national scale. It could be you know, other national conferences, uh, could be more regionalized or, or, or localized in a sense. But we have you know, 15 plus different spaces within all the different venues that we kind of own and operate that we can host those large scale events at. And that's what that team essentially will we'll sell and execute um, throughout the year. So certainly a lot of moving pieces and, you know, you and your team are, are focused on, on all those, right? A variety of products and a variety of facilities um, that are being played or performed at literally 12 months a year, 365 days. And so what's your advice to listeners on being able to prioritize and continue to be efficient and effective in everything they do? Yeah. So I think, you know, we always get asked when bringing in you know, new people as well, like what could, what's going to be the biggest challenge is you kind of nailed it right there. It's, it's being able to kind of synthesize everything that we have going on from Red Wing side to our Tiger side and kind of everything in, in between. Yep. And then understanding how do I prioritize all of that at any given time we're, you know, probably going through or, or juggling four or five different campaigns because we're going to be involved in what Joe Shavi's team's doing. Yep. We're going to then be involved in what Spencer's team's doing and, and knowing that, you know, the Tiger season doesn't align with the Red Wing season. So we're, we're constantly going there. But then we're also going to launch our premium campaigns that are focused to those products to, with each of those teams yep. as well. So <clears throat> early on, it's, okay, let's make sure that we are prioritizing the campaigns that that we know are the most important today and then let's get as granular as you know what is our week going to look like what is our day is going to look like and then even throughout yeah throughout that day is you know we're going back and forth from wings and tigers but making sure that when we are approaching each one of those campaigns it is with kind of a blinder like focus um, which allows us to be more efficient in 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 effective knowing that you know, you're going to get pinged from, again, both teams throughout the day. But, you know, and if you do get pulled in a different direction, it's being able to come back, recalibrate and maintain that focus or prearranged focus that you had to kind of stay on track there. And like anything, you have to be willing to pivot and be flexible in this business to, to be successful. And, you know, you're and your team and throughout your entire career, Michael, you've continued to focus on on certainly people and process, which has driven a ton of great results. Have you had to make any changes from your kind of selling and leadership end 
selling soccer to football to now hockey, baseball, and other events? Um, no, I think, I think in terms of the actual just process itself, um, like that doesn't change, Travis. Like regardless if you're, if you're selling soccer, if you're selling the NFL, if you're selling hockey, or if you're, you're selling baseball, like, like the core process and, and fundamentals and like you know, B2B principles all remains the same in a sense. You may change up your vernacular a little bit, or you may tweak the language or, you know, insert team here, if you will. But, you know, when, when if you're going about it the right way and you're going out, you know, to, to meet clients in person or virtually and, you know, approaching that conversation with that true consultative fashion um, or mindset is in the day, you're going to want to get to know them as much as possible to see if there is an opportunity where they can leverage what we have, you know, within our portfolio, make a recommendation, and then being able to justify that and, re- and by regurgitating or reiterating back to them everything that, you know, we were able to, you know, to, to retain throughout that initial conversation. And then it's making sure we, you know, we get the right people within that follow-up meeting there. So I'd, I'd say no, in terms of like, sport market you know team none of that like truly matters it is that the process and the core foundation remains the same yeah and it, it all starts and stops with the the x's and o's and so you know as you think about this michael you know what a what a great career you've had a, a certainly a fun journey you know had knew you wanted to get into the sports business didn't know necessarily it might have been this path but ton of great memories what's been your best memory of all of them um, so I was, I, I listened to the Spencer one, um, and, and that's, I'd say early on some really good memories from, from us, from a selling perspective and, you know, having that memory with, with, with Spencer and, you know, selling some, you know, a couple back-to-back big sales and, and yep. doing that off of a, literally a blueprint rendering that right. wasn't going to exist for three years. So just thinking back of that overall process and how that came to fruition and, and, and getting that done and then seeing that kind of catapult into, you know, success from there. Like that's still one of my, my greatest memories early on. And then also a lot of my early on meetings with Corey and, and Breton and, uh, um, and his name yeah. again, can't get <laughs> and, out of well, it. <laughs> and that, well, him and, and Jamie Gewen, like going for, on the partnership side is, is those yeah. early on and, and pitching those big time partnership deals. Like that was pretty, you know, that was pretty unique, I'd say, from a seller's perspective. But I'd say most recently from a leadership position um, was opening day that just happened. Was it 13 days ago? Yeah. Um, like you you think back, uh, you know, these, these past couple of years, right? The most challenging time to sell, as, as we're all aware, period. Yeah. Um, and we were able to go into you know, opening day. Um, with Joe's team and, and our in our premium team sales and, and service and all collectively accomplish a, a full sellout um, and in doing that coming out of everything that we just went through um, with the team in place like we have a really really good good team and do things the right way and um, you know wouldn't have rather done it with with anybody else there both from a leadership standpoint you know with the people that we're surrounded with, but also just our, our team in general. So it's pretty special. Certainly very impressive. Well, Michael, ton of great advice, ton of fun to hear your journey and all your, your stops. To close it out, I like put our guests on the hustle hot seat. So you ready for this? Let's do it. 
What's the last item you've completed off your bucket list? So it's been a few years um, since I've dusted off the old bucket list. But uh, the last thing I did would have been skydiving in Arizona. That's awesome. What's a clothing style trend you'd love to bring back? Um, the seventh grade puka shell necklaces, Travis. Oh, yeah. I can, I can see you rocking those out in Nevada. <laughs> I know you're a big game player. If you could play any type of game, what would it be? So I'd like to do like a real life Monopoly game. That'd be fun. I like and, it. And really, and really put the negotiation skills to test. <laughs> Why you're going to get rid of boardwalk. And I like it. Exactly. Uh, I like it. Well, to close it out, what are three key takeaways you'd give every listener to be in your shoes one day? Yeah, I know I've probably mentioned it a couple of times there. I think ultimately it's, it's surrounding yourself with, with really good people. Um, you know, as you look to, you know, evaluate that next step or that next opportunity, it's, it's always looking through the lens of, you know, who are you going to be working for and with? And, you know, if, if you surround yourself with some, some really good people that are going to push you to continue to grow and develop each and every day, I think that's, that's number one and, and will always be, you know, critical uh, to continue to progress within this industry here. Uh, but then also, um, you kind of mentioned as well, in, in the ability to adapt and continue to evolve. So, like, I'm a big believer in, in, in always, always be learning, in, in a sense, um, you know, having that coachability or, or willingness to, to learn um, is going to allow you to, you know, succeed in your own role, but continue to, to take on, take on more as, as you progress there as well. Um, and then we all work in sports. So, you know, the last one is we get caught up in the, the minutia in the day to day and the grind and again, everything that's gone wrong over the past few years is ultimately we're, we're in sports, we're having fun, like be present in the moment. Um, otherwise you're going to, you're going to miss some, you know, some, some really cool things. I love it. You know, obviously one of our constant themes of this podcast was, was people and surround yourself with great people, be willing to, to evolve with the marketplace, with this business and yeah, be present. I love it. You know, you've got to enjoy the journey and Michael, thank you so much. What a great way to close out season two. You've had a, such a great career. It was a pleasure talking to you. I certainly appreciate your time, expertise and our friendship. All right. Thanks, Travis. Appreciate it. Again, this is Travis Apple. Thank you for listening to 52 Weeks of Hustle. Be sure to follow the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. We'll be back next week with another industry leader. Have a great week. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. 
Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.